number one indicator of where you are 10 years from now is whether or not you know Jesus. That's, that's a given. Amen. Where you are 10 years from now is going to be decided to a great extent to, well, in every way by whether you know Jesus. But underneath that, there are indicators, there are practices, there are things that forecast where it will be five or 10 years from now as Christians. As believers, because even though you're saved, you, you can fail to latch on to certain things that really have a lot to do with who you become, how fruitful you are, uh, how you land in life, uh, how much your life counts for the glory of God. So one of them, and I've been talking about the last few weeks, who you run with, who you hang with, who you walk with, who your friends are. That's a biggie. Amen? That's a big one. Today I want to talk to you about another big one. What you worship. What you worship. You know, well, I worship Jesus. I just did. Wasn't that wonderful worship? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. But um, the thing is, as a believer, you can get off track from that. You can begin to attach to other things. And I just want to read Psalms 135, verse 15. And I'm going to talk to you today about uh, the power prophet of your future. One of them is what you worship. The idols of the nations. Look at Psalms 135, 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Now notice, all nations worship something. The idols, that's what you worship, of the nations are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. So everybody, anywhere in the world, they worship. Verse 16, here's the problem with the wrong God. They have mouths, but they don't talk. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear your cry for help. Amen? Uh, nor is there any breath in their mouths. In other words, they're dead. They're not real. And yet people worship them. Now look at verse 18. This is where I want to land today. Those who make them will become like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them. So watch this. What you worship decides what you become. You are shaped, molded, uh, fashioned by the God you worship. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today, your blessing today on the house. Lord, open our eyes and ears. Help us to worship the right thing. Help us, Lord, to worship the right thing. Help us, Lord, to stay in our, in our lane, worshiping the true creator God. Help us to understand the power and the value of what we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, it matters what you worship. You can be seated. Amen. Now, Bible verses like these reveal that Old Testament Israel had a chronic problem with worshiping the wrong thing. It was almost a pathology. They always returned to worshiping the wrong thing. Uh, they, they, they would be delivered from judgment. Uh, they, they went into idolatry. God would judge them. He would send a judge to deliver them. 
as long as the judge lived, they stayed clean and didn't worship false gods. But as soon as the judge died, they went right back. Read the book of Judges. They're delivered, they go back. They're delivered, they go back. They're delivered, they go back. And what did they always go back to? Worshiping idols. They went back to worshiping the wrong thing. And that, that was their problem. That was the number one issue God had with his people in the Old Testament. The number one. And though the idols were made of silver and gold, they were worthless. Because they couldn't see, hear, taste, touch, smell, talk, answer prayer, deliver those that believed in them. They were absolutely useless, and yet men bowed down and worshipped them. You know why? Because we're wired for worship. God wired you and I to worship. We are creatures of worship. God made us to worship. Now, what I want to point out once again is they that make them will become like them. What you and I worship decides what we become. It shapes our character. And our character decides our tomorrows. See? That's how it's a prophet of your future. What you worship is a big forecaster of where you end up 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and how fruitful your life is. What you worship. Because we're all worshiping something. Your character will be shaped by it. It'll be molded, formed by what you worship. One man wrote a book entitled, We Become What We Worship. I didn't read it, and I found out about this after I decided this title. So I thought, wow, I'm not the only one uh, being led this direction. Because he writes this, What people revere, they begin to resemble either for ruin or restoration. And he goes on, our worship and our affections right now are pointers to a future trajectory. Our worship is either aimed at our ruin or our worship is aimed at our restoration. But it's aimed in either case. We're all worshiping something and we're aimed in that direction. What you worship is what your feet follow. It's where your heart goes. Matter of fact, where your heart is, that's what you're going to worship. And what you're worshiping reveals where your heart is. Amen? So he finishes, he said, we are becoming every day what we worship. And that's why what you worship is a powerful prophet of your future. Now, now I want to just share some undeniable truths about worship. And I'm going to start at A, A, B, C, I'm going to do A. Here's, this is, this is an undeniable fact of worship. Here it is. We all worship something. Everybody worships something. I don't care who you are, where you are, where you live, your education level, financial level. I don't care what race you are, what creed you are, what land you're in. If you're a human being, you're worshiping something. Because God has wired us to worship. Amen. And, and what you worship is what you value above all else. You will sacrifice your time for what you worship, your energy, things that matter to you, things that are valuable to you, but they're of lesser value than what you worship. Because what you worship holds the highest place. What you worship is number one in your life. What you worship is on the throne of your life. What you worship is what you love best. It's what you value most. What you worship has captured your heart. Because everybody's heart is captured by something. Everybody in here and everybody watching online and everybody listening later on radio around the world, listen carefully, 
Something has captured your heart, and, and whatever has captured your heart is what you are pursuing in life. It's what you're chasing. So whatever captures your heart is what you're going to chase, seek, pursue, go after with all your heart. Whatever it is, you're going to go after it. The treasure of your heart. Jesus said that whatever, wherever your heart is, that's what you treasure. And whatever your treasure is, that's where I'm going to find your heart. And that's what we're going to worship. And it's more than what you sing to. Worship is more than what you lift your hands to. Matter of fact, you know where the word worship comes from? It comes from two words. Worth, ship. Worth, ship. To worship something is to actually prize something above everything else. It is to honor and love it as having the highest worth, worth-ship. Whatever has the highest worth to me, I'm going to worship. Because it's worth everything to me. Amen? Yeah. How many of you love just worshiping God like we did today? Isn't that just wonderful? Amen. Now, you know why you love it? You know why? Because you're wired to do it. God wired us to worship Him. Amen? But boy, in America, we're not worshiping God much anymore. Nope. We worship all kinds of idols and cherish them as having the highest worth. I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit today because uh, America needs to turn back to the living God and truly worship the living God. But it's going to start with the church. We can't be worship dead and expect the culture to become worship live. We've got to be a a living, breathing, worshiping, God-honoring church in order to be the leaven that leavens the whole lump. Amen? Amen? But boy, in America, we worship all kinds of things. We worship sports and sports figures, entertainers, celebrities. We're involved in celebrity worship all the time. And guess what? Can I let you in on something? The celebrities we worship love to be worshipped. But we worship celebrities. We worship sports figures. We make them gods. We even have a popular show called American Idol. American Idol. And there we're essentially worshiping somebody's talent because they're such an incredible singer or whatever they do. And we worship it. We bow down. We, we, we praise it. We applaud it. And so that's the problem. Now, um, I vividly recall rock concerts. Amen. That little baby is being blessed. <laughs> Amen. I vividly recall rock concerts I went to as a teenager and how the crowd always moved down towards the front. Guess what they did when they were down front? They have their hands raised to those rock stars, and they are doing this. And you know what? That's a form of worship. We, why, that's why we call them rock gods. Because we're making idols out of them. We really do. Many people just worship these people. They worship them. It, it, was, it was adoration to the point of worship that I watched, and I saw it all the time at the concerts. In America... We worship materialism, things, stuff, wealth, possessions. We worship success, careers, achievement. Uh, And we always measure achievement not by character, not by your walk with God, but we measure achievement by how much money you end up with. How much money you end up with. And we worship that money. We worship materialism. We worship success. But you know what? I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. Don't take it with you. 
You don't take anything with you. You don't take one dime with you. You work for it all your life, and then when you die, at your funeral, I'm watching all the in-laws fighting over who's going to get what that you earned your whole life. You don't take any of it with you, but we worship it. Isn't that crazy? We worship something that is not eternal, that we'll never take with us into eternity, that doesn't help us into eternity. I want to worship the real living God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to get me into heaven forever. And I'll tell you a big idol in America, we worship at the altar of self. Oh yeah, self-help, self-analysis, self-serving, self-realization, self-actualization, selfies. There's people walk down the street and take a selfie as if we care to see them walking down the street. They put it on Facebook. Here I am walking down the street. Well, good for you. Good for you walking down the street. Man, I know I'm moved. I've got a better day because I saw you walking down the street. See, we made people believe their, that their self is so important that them walking down the street somehow sends, sends shockwaves through humanity. But it doesn't. But we've, we have elevated self, serve self, serve self. You are number one. You're number one in the world. You're number one. It's all about you. It's all about you and taking care of you and you being happy and you having peace and you having what you want. But that's not the teaching of Jesus at all. But in America, everything revolves around self and serving yourself is number one. But in Christianity, serving him is number one. And when you serve him, that's when you do have peace. And that is when you do have fulfillment. Even atheists worship. Can I tell you, I don't believe in atheists. They don't believe in God. I don't believe in them. Because <laughs> my Bible tells me God has revealed himself to every human heart. So they might be good deniers of what they know deep down is true. But they worship something. Well, what do they worship, Jeff? They worship evolution. Because they're saying that evolution gave us everything that we have. Not the creator God, but evolution. And they worship at the altar of evolution, even though it is still to this day called a theory. No, it's a faith. Evolution is a faith. It is not a scientific fact. It's a faith. And they worship at the altar of some unseen random force that over billions and trillions of years made everything we see and hear. Skeptics worship. Republicans and Democrats worship. They worship themselves. They worship a party. I don't worship a Democrat. Can I give you uh, some news today? Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not any political party. Some of you, yeah, that offended you a little bit. Oh, my Jesus is a Republican. Hang on, I'm going to talk to you about that. Everyone everywhere worships. It's the fundamental drive of life. And, and one of the unique distinctions of humanity. Hey, let me tell you something, church. Animals don't worship. Birds don't worship. Now, they may worship their creator in their own way, but they don't have the ability to conceptualize of a God that made them and, and of all the glory, all the different facets of the character and glory and majesty of God, they can't think like we can. They can't worship God intelligently like we can. The closest thing to us worshiping God has got to be, at least in my house, it's, it's the dogs. Because I come home, they hardly look up. Cindy comes home, and it's like the second coming. And they go crazy, Right? 
They go crazy. But here's the thing. They can't conceptualize of God. You and I have the ability to know Him intelligently. You shall worship the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Well, see, we have the capacity in our minds to think of, to know, to come to increasingly know, to conceptualize of a mighty Creator God and worship Him intelligently for the things He has made. Just makes me want to worship right now. Just break into worship right now. Amen. So God has made us with an incredible capacity to worship. The Bible says that every human being, here's why, every human being has been given by God a deep inner sense of eternity. That's why I don't believe in atheists. Ecclesiastes 3 says, He, has, he God, has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. He has put within us a sense, an awareness, that there is more beyond this life. We even see lost people at the caskets of loved ones. People that don't know God, don't know Jesus, saying, I'll see you later. I'll see you when I get there. And now whether or not they're going to heaven, if they're lost, they're not. But here's the thing. They have a sense there's more than here. There's more than this. There's more beyond the veil. There's more on the other side. There is another dimension. There is another place. There's another reality. Something greater than us is out there, and we long to worship whatever that is. And if you know Jesus, you worship Him. And Jesus said those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, in in spirit being full of the Holy Spirit, in truth, the truth that is in Jesus. We just worship God today in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. We we even worship things we don't fully understand. Jesus told the woman at the well, you remember her? Jesus went and sat down at the well, and here comes a Samaritan woman. And Jesus said this to her, you worship what you don't even know. You worship what you don't know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus is saying, at least I'm worshiping intelligently. I know who I worship. But lady, you don't even know what you worship, but you're worshiping anyway. Why would she do that? Because we're wired to worship. God made human beings with a unique capacity to worship, even if it's in ignorance. And the Bible says that whatever we worship is going to shape us, mold us, fashion us, and cause us to become whatever it is we're worshiping. So what are you worshiping? What you worship will downgrade you or upgrade you. What you worship will add to your life or subtract from your life. What you worship will make you or break you, literally. What a nation worships will make that nation or break that nation. It is crucial what you worship. Because what you worship says everything about you or your nation. So where is our nation right now? Apart from God. That's why we're not worshiping God. Because our nation has departed from God. But that doesn't mean we've got to. God has called us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're called to worship in spirit and in truth. 
Now, here's a second undeniable fact about worship. Here it is. If, if you don't worship the true God, the God of the Bible, you may even create your own God and worship the God of your own creation. Now, listen carefully. The Bible says in Genesis that God made man. God created the heavens and the earth. God made man in his own image. That's what it says. But you know what fallen man does? He creates God in his image. He creates a God in his own image. If we don't like the God that's there, we'll make our own. Y'all are quiet. Have you thought about that? It's happening all around us. Uh, We even make a, a, a Jesus. We make up a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. We create our own Jesus because we don't like the Jesus that's in the Bible or what he requires. So we just make our own. Now, I've been around long enough to see a big swath of the church create a Jesus who's all about money and material wealth. That's what Jesus is all about. But that's not the Jesus I see in the Bible. That's not my Jesus. I don't see that Jesus in there. I don't see a Jesus that's always talking about money, money, money this, money that, money the other. No. I, talk, I believe in a Jesus who said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Not that he doesn't want you blessed. He does. Or we make up a Jesus that never, ever judges. Never. He doesn't judge anything. Because we don't like the Jesus of the Bible that did judge. Or we make up a Jesus that, uh, of a particular race. Can I tell you what Jesus was? He was Jewish. He was olive-skinned. But Hollywood gives us white Jesus, black Jesus, Hispanic Jesus. Even these days, female Jesus. We, we've got uh, uh, some people making Jesus gay, homosexual. No. See, we, we make a Jesus that places his seal of approval on the lifestyle that we want to pursue. So we make up our own Jesus. Y'all are quiet. Come on, I'm talking good now. We make up our own Jesus. We create our own Jesus. I don't like the Jesus of the Bible. I don't like the God of the Bible. So I'm just going to make my own. Uh, so we make a Jesus who's a Republican, or a Democrat, or a Baptist, or a Methodist, or a Presbyterian, and he's only in our church, or he's only over in this church, or he's only in this denomination. No, no, no. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Amen? He's everywhere. And it might shock some people to know that he's not a Baptist Jesus, or a Catholic Jesus, or a Methodist Jesus. Or a Pentecostal Jesus. No, he's Jesus of the Bible. He's the Redeemer. He's our Deliverer. He's our Healer. He's our all in all. Israel constantly created their own gods to worship. Gods that promoted sensuality and demonic mysticism. They created them. In the wilderness, for instance, they forced Aaron to make the golden calf. And and while worshiping the golden calf... They fell into sexual sin, thousands of them, while worshiping the golden calf. Because the golden calf was okay with it, but not the God of the Bible. So they made their own God, so they could live the way they wanted. Later on in the promised land, they continuously fell to worshiping the false and cruel gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. And they sacrificed their children to them. We say, I just can't believe they did that, but are we not doing that today? We've made the God of convenience, or, or the God of self. And everything revolves around self. 
And if I don't want to be bothered with a child, I just sacrifice it on the altar of convenience. I know I'm meddling a little bit, but i got to say it. We've made a, a God of our own making. We, we just make the God that we can live with. We, we make a God in our own image. Instead of saying, you're God, I'm not, and I'm going to bow to the real God and live the way the real God tells me to live. Amen. In the book of Acts, we find the entire city given over uh, to worshiping the false goddess Diana, who allowed them to live a sensual lifestyle. They didn't want the God of Jesus. That's where they were so persecuted for preaching Jesus in the, in the city of Ephesus, because they didn't want Diana taken down. They didn't want that false idol taken down. The Apostle Paul warns in Romans 1, please hear me on this one. Romans 1, one of the most profound chapters in the Bible. Romans 1 says that one of the signs of a collapsing culture is what it worships. Instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they took wood and stone and made idols for themselves, carving them to look like birds, animals, snakes, and mere men. And the Greek language also adds insects. (laughs) Are you ready? They made carvings. Can you imagine bowing down to a carving of a cricket? (laughs) Chirp, 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 chirp. Bowing down to the carving of a frog? Bowing down to the carving of of a bull or a goat? But that's what they were reduced to when they rejected worshiping the real God. When a society or an individual refuses to worship the true God, folks, they spiral down into stupidity. You do things that don't even make any sense. You're bowing down to things that don't even make any sense. You bow down to irrational things. You begin worshiping irrational things, believing irrational things. But the the, the false God can't hear you, can't see you can't answer your prayer, can't help you, isn't even aware of you, and yet we worship anything but the real God. So notice, this society's decline began when they said, I will not worship God or even thank Him. They knew that He was there, but they wouldn't even thank Him. I love thanking God. Can we just thank God right now? Can we just thank God right now? Amen. Yeah. Can we just have a little moment? Lift your hands and just say, Jesus, thank you for taking care of me, saving me, delivering me, guiding me, sustaining me. In Jesus' name, amen. Didn't that feel good? Isn't that the right thing? Yeah. A third fact of worship is what you worship affects every area of your life, starting with your thinking. See, to worship the true and the living God is, to, is, is a step towards a sane, sound mind. He hadn't given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Worshiping the true God keeps your mind in the light. But when you fail to worship the true creator God, our thinking goes sideways. It goes into irrational thought. Look at what it says. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. As a result, their minds, everybody say their minds. What happened to their mind? Became dark 
and confused. Can I ask you an honest question today? Where is America's mind right now? Could we describe it according to that verse? Can you put it back up, please? Can we describe it with those last two words? Dark and confused. We don't know what gender we are. We don't know what bathroom to go in. We're, we're, we're dealing with things that aren't even rational. Is there a connection between not walking with the true God and worshiping the true God and what has happened to the American mind? Yes. It's any society, any person, any civilization that wouldn't worship the true God, their thinking went sideways. And the consequence, their mind plunged into spiritual darkness. Now what we worship may not seem like a big deal to us, but it's a real big deal to God. Can you remember when you got saved? What was one of the first default reactions when you got saved? You thanked God. You thanked God. Did you not? Didn't you have a praise fit? We talk about anger fits. We talk about, uh, uh, you know, um, worry fits, fear fits. But how about a worship fit? How about a worship fit? Amen? And they became like what they worship, and that became a prophet of their future. Those who make them will become like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them. So I'm going to leave you today with a question. Here's a million-dollar question. Can a born-again child of God get off track into worshiping the wrong thing? Can they? All caps, yes. So I'm going to give you one surefire way to be sure you always stay in the right lane when it comes to your worship. Do you want to hear it? You want, you want to know how to never get off? Never get off, but always worship the one true God. Because how many of you can see the benefits of worshiping the true God? Amen? All right, here's the number one way. Number one, full, foolproof. You will never deviate if you do this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, Romans 12, 1, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. Because of all He has done for you. Why do I give everything to God? Because of all He's done for me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died on the cross for me. He bled and died for my sins. He purchased my redemption. So I give Him my body. Now look what He says. He goes on. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. Once you're dead, you can't praise God. Your dead body can't praise God. So he says, do it while you're alive. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Now I want you to read the last part out loud with me. Ready? This is truly the way to worship him. All worship. Okay? Catch this. All worship, all worship, raising your hands, clapping, dancing unto the Lord, if that's what you like to do, uh, all manner of worship springs from this one thing, total surrender to God. How many of you remember the Hokey Pokey? Where is that, that restaurant? It's Babes. They do the Hokey Pokey there, I think. I just gave a huge, if you go to Babes because I said this, tell them I said this and that I deserve a free meal. All right, but, I, but 
Here, you remember how it goes? You put your right foot in, put your right foot out. Look, all of you know it. You put your, <laughs> come on, y'all are singing already. Get out here, huh? There we go. You put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey. And then it ends. That's what it's all about. Now watch me. A lot of people have hokey pokey Christianity. You put your right foot in and you take your right back out. You put your right foot in, take your right back out. You're in, but you're out. You're there, but you're not. You're with it, you're not with it. You're in, you're out. And then you say, and that's what it's all about. But see, that kind of hokey-pokey Christianity kills Christianity. And it doesn't help you any either. Because Christianity is not a one-foot-in-and-one-foot-out faith. Right? <clears throat> you put your right leg in, right leg out, right hand in. But here's how it ends. You put your whole self in. That's how it ends. You put your whole self in. You take your whole self out. You put your whole self in. That's what it's all about. Right? Now, that kind of hokey-pokey Christianity I can go with, because that's what Jesus taught. Seek first the kingdom of God, first, first. Make him paramount. Worship the Lord your God. Him only shall you serve. Christianity is an all-in faith. Now, that's what we call surrender. We sing the song, I surrender all. But truth be known, we could sing, I surrender a lot of things, but not everything. I surrender when I'm ready to surrender other things. I really don't surrender so much. But here's the thing. God sends his fire down and his blessing down on the total sacrifice. When they sacrificed that lamb in the Old Testament and put the sacrifice lamb on the altar, that lamb had given everything and that's when the fire fell. The anointing falls on all in. Not one foot in, one foot out. I'm there, but I'm not. I'm in church, but not in church. I'm with Jesus, but, you know, I get out there in the world and I'm kind of right foot out. But when you're all in, that's when the fire falls. Amen? That's, that's when God really... I, when I totally surrendered as a teenager, just a few years back, kidding. Um, when I totally surrendered as a teenager, that's when the power of the Holy Spirit fell on me. That's when I discovered my call to preach. When I totally surrendered. No more right foot in, right foot out. I totally surrendered. So where are you in the hokey pokey? Are you all in? Are you all in? <clears throat> Can we stand up together? So when we say present your whole body, wow, is it expansive? It means your heart, your mind, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your thoughts, your actions, your aspirations, your dreams, your desires, your attitudes, everything.
everything, everything. Say, Jesus, I surrender all. I want to open the altar up for us to have an encounter with God. Because, dear church, listen, we've just come out of a really hard time in this country. The COVID thing, the lockdowns. So many teenagers now are in depression because they were locked down. Seriously, it really damaged our country. And I think sometimes we just need to have a fresh surrender. Just a fresh surrender. Just, Lord, it's been, it's been a while since I told you I'm all in. I, I just want to surrender fresh. If that's you, I just want you to come down. And we're just going to sing, I surrender all. And we're going to see the fire fall. We're going to see the fire fall. When that fire falls, there, listen, it burns up some things. It gets rid of some things. It heals from some things, delivers from some things. And then I want to have a prayer as these are coming. I want to have a prayer. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you probably know you don't know Jesus. And I'm not condemning you. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I didn't know Jesus. And I got saved in a teenage jail, a juvenile home. I got saved. And I needed a Savior. So I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, God doesn't want to turn you into a freak. He wants to help you, bless you, heal you, deliver you, free you. So I want to say a simple prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you need to pray it with me, I want you to pray it with me right now. You can do it right where you are. You can pray, and the Lord is standing right there. He's listening. So if you need to pray and say, Jesus, I come to you, that's the most important prayer of your entire life. So I'm going to pray it right now. Let's bow in prayer and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead, Lord of lords. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness and come into my heart. I repent and I turn to you as my Savior in Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed, if you prayed that, would you just lift your hands? And I'm not going to embarrass you at all, but I just want you to lift your hands. Let the Lord see it. Amen. There, 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 all over the place, all over the place. I do want to ask you to do something. All these people are already down here. As we begin to sing, I surrender all, I want you to come down. If you raise your hand, just come and stand here because there's already a bunch of people down you're not coming down alone, but I want you to come. You say, why do I need to come down there? Because everybody that Jesus called, he called them publicly. Publicly, he called them. And I want you to come. So if you prayed that with me, come on. As we sing right now, I surrender all. You come right now in Jesus' name. Let's sing it. Everybody, come on. I surrender Can we lift holy hands to the Lord and just make it a declaration? 
Yes, Lord. All to Thee. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Sing it again, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I do, Lord. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, Lord, we just come to you and we surrender in Jesus' name. Oh, I surrender all. Now, Father, we pray the fire will fall. We pray that that mighty, holy fire of zeal and first love and power will fall on everyone in this altar and everyone in the audience that prayed that prayer sincerely and that that is truly surrendered. Lord, we need fresh fire. We need fresh power. We need fresh zeal. We need fresh vision, fresh motivation that is holy. Lord, in Jesus' name, you see us, Lord, and we surrender. We give you our bodies, representing everything in our life. And we pray, Lord, for the fire to fall. Can you lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, let it fall on me. Let it fall on me. Fall on me, Lord. Fall on me. Let it fall on me. In the name of Jesus. Let it burn out habits. Let it burn out doubts. Let it burn out compromises. Let it burn out. Burn away. Remove obstacles to going on in God. Hindrances. Lord, let them be taken by the fire that falls and consume the sacrifice. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Lord.